Amen. Our value fixed. It's a pretty high value that the Son of God, Jesus Christ himself, would die for us. High value. And now we have something of high value to offer him. Before we came to know him, maybe we were trying to earn our way to him. And in in doing so, having, having no value. But now that we do know him, now that we have received him, and that's what we've been singing about this, this morning, that we can receive the Lord Jesus Christ. We can believe in him. And through believing in him, we're given the gift of eternal life through the forgiveness of our sins. No longer do our sins separate us from God. And now, because, of, because that separation has been taken away, because we've been ushered right into his presence, we can live our lives bringing glory to his name. And that is the most important, the most valuable thing that we can do. We find out these things through the word of God, through the Bible, through the scriptures that Mark was reading about this morning in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And on Halloween day, whenever it happens on Sunday, I like us to stop whatever, whatever study that we're in this, in this case in 2 Thessalonians, I like to, like to interrupt it And think for a few minutes together about the Word of God, the value of the Word of God, the wonder of the Word of God, the treasure that is the Word of God. Because of that day back in 1517 when Martin Luther nailed those theses, um, that's that's what they called them, his statements, to the door of the Wittenberg Church in Germany. We have the Word of God like we have it. Not just because of that, but that was a tremendous that, that day, that moment was of tremendous importance in starting this whole movement of trusting the word of God in, instead of trusting the statements of churches or of men. Now, in doing so, it opened up a whole other can of worms, and that is people's opinions about what the word of God says and means, which requires us to do a lot of work, a lot of diligent study, and, and all of those kind of things. So it, it brought a lot of work to us. I mean, back before Martin Luther made that statement and, and John Wycliffe and John Huss in different countries were doing the same thing even 100 years before, they could just trust what the church said and they didn't have to study it for themselves. They didn't have to see if what the Bible said agreed with that or not. So it, it brought a lot of work to us. But we're going to get into some of that work right now as we see... Uh, the other, another part of the story that I read a few weeks ago as we were studying 2 Thessalonians. Turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 22. 2 Kings chapter 22. If you don't have a Bible with you, there are some in the, in the pouches in front of you, and also this passage will be uh, on the screen as well. 2, Timothy, or excuse me, 2 Kings chapter 22. A, a few weeks ago, um, I read a, a, a part of this a long part of this um, book, Second Kings, about the reforms that Josiah made in the, uh, among Judah, among the kingdom of Judah, um, after he discovered the word of God. Well, this morning I want us to read that discovery um, of, of how Josiah, this young king, found out that they weren't following God because they weren't following the word of God. Second Kings chapter 22. 
verse 1. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. Any of you have any eight-year-olds? This is an amazing statement, okay? He had help. And he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother's name was Jedidah, daughter of Adiah. She was from Boscath. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. And that's also an amazing statement. If you read the kings, there weren't many kings like him. In fact, Israel didn't have any. Judah had a couple, but he's really the cream of the crop. In the 18th year of his reign, so 18 and 8 takes us to 26. He's 26 year old, young, still a very young king. In the 18th year of his reign, King Josiah sent the secretary, Shaphan, son of Azaliah, the son of Meshulam, to the temple of the Lord. He said, go up to Hilkiah the high priest and have him get ready the money that has been brought into the temple of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have collected from the people. Have them entrust it to the men appointed to supervise the work on the temple. And have these men pay the workers who repair the temple of the Lord, the carpenters, the builders, and the masons. Also have them purchase timber and dress stone to repair the temple. But they need not account for the money entrusted to them because they are acting faithfully. Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, the secretary, this is amazing. I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. This place had really fallen into disrepair. And the country had fallen into disrepair as a result. They didn't even know there was the book of the law. If there was one where it was, they found it. He gave it to Shaphan, who read it. Then Shaphan, the the secretary, went to the king and reported to him, him, Your officials have paid out the money that, that was in the temple of the Lord and have entrusted it to the workers and the supervisors at the temple. Then Shaphan, the secretary, informed the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. He gave these orders to Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam, son of Shaphan, Akbor, son of Micaiah, Shaphan the secretary, and Esaiah, the king's attendant. Go and inquire of the Lord for me, for the people and for all Judah about what is written in this book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that burns against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written there concerning us. Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam, Akbar, Shaphan, and Isaiah went to speak to the prophetess Holda, who is the wife of Shulam, son of Tikvah, and the son of Harhas keeper of the wardrobe. She lived in Jerusalem in the second district. Just a lot of history there, a lot of geography and genealogy, just to remind us, this is really, these are real people. This really took place. She said to them, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, tell the man who sent you to me, this is what the Lord says, I am going to bring disaster on this place and its people according to everything written in the book the king of Judah has read. Because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods and provoked me to anger by all the idols their hands have made, my anger will burn against this place and will not be quenched. 
tell the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says concerning the words you heard. Because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I have spoken against this place and its people, that they would become accursed and laid waste. And because you tore your robes and wept in my presence, I have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, I will gather you to your fathers and you will be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see all the disaster I am going to bring on this place. So they took her answer back to the king. And that's where I read then from, from that point a couple of weeks ago, talking about the reforms, the action that he took because of the reading of the word of God. But what I want us to think about this morning is the response of Josiah to the word of God. When he read, and, I'm, and, I, and it doesn't say here specifically, but when he read Deuteronomy 28, go ahead and turn there. When he read Deuteronomy 28, that's what, that's what hit him. That, and there, there are other passages that would have hit him as well. But this is definitely part of what he read. Deuteronomy 28. God speaking to Moses, to the people. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. All these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed and the crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks, your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but flee from you in seven. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he has given you. The Lord will establish you as his holy people, as he promised you on oath, if you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. Then all the peoples on the earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they will fear you. And and he he continues. And then verse 15. However, if you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow all his commands and decrees I am giving you today, all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. You will be cursed in the city and cursed in the country. Your basket and your kneading trough will be cursed. The fruit of your womb will be cursed and the crops of your hand and the calves from your herds and the lambs of your flocks, you will be cursed when you come in and cursed when you go out. The Lord will send on you curses, confusion, and rebuke you in everything you put your hand to until you are destroyed and come to sudden ruin because of the evil you have done in forsaking him. And he keeps going on and on and on. And Josiah 
heard that in horror and tore his robes. Humbled himself and wept because they weren't doing this. They completely ignored it. Martin Luther's response when he read the word, and it was a very similar discovery as, as, as that of Josiah. Here he was a priest. But even in studying to be a priest, he didn't have to learn the word. He just had to learn the teachings of the church. And he thought that they must be true. And then he started reading the word of God. He said, wait a minute. I'm a pastor of this people. And I'm telling them a bunch of stuff that doesn't even come from the Bible. And so much like Josiah, instead of tearing his robes, he started studying, he started writing, and he posted what he wrote on that door to let his church know things were changing at First Baptist of Wittenberg. All right. Well, actually, it was First Lutheran. Um, That's where that comes from, by the way. Um, It was actually First Catholic because he had no intention of starting a new church. He was just trying to call to attention. He thought, surely when my fellow priests and the leaders of the church realize that the word of God says something different than what we're teaching, surely we'll change. Wrong. They just tried to kill him, as they had done so many other times before. I mentioned John Wycliffe and John Huss. A hundred years before, in what's now the Czech Republic for John Huss, and England for John Wycliffe, they started these same biblical reforms in the churches of their area and they both died for it at the hands of the church. John Wycliffe, he escaped and died otherwise, but they dug up his bones and burned them. So there. Think of that. But we have the word of God. Praise God that we don't have to do a a spring cleaning here at Midway and, and find the Bible. Hey, look, this is cool. Imagine that. Imagine that things can get that bad. They can. If we ignore the word of God, if we put it aside. And I'm not saying to you, and I want to be careful to to mention this. I'm not saying to you that if you read the word of God, introspectively, that means looking in, looking inside, reading it and saying, wait a minute, is this how I'm living? Is this what I'm doing? I'm not saying if you do that, which I'm saying, do that. But I'm not saying if you do that, that all the blessings of Moses to the people of of Israel are going to come true in your life. Okay. Because those were promises to Israel and those curses were against Israel. So I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, that you had a flat tire or a wreck this week because you hadn't been reading your Bible. Not saying that. I'm also not saying that if you do read your Bible and respond to it properly, that you're going to get a promotion or that you're going to get a raise or you're going to win the lottery or anything like that. Or that all your kids are going to be healthy. What, those are some awesome promises he made to Israel. And don't you know Josiah was, was, was weeping over the fact that they weren't going to get to experience that because of their sin. As the leader of, his, of, this, of this great nation that God had called out 
that they weren't going to get to experience what they were supposed to experience because of the, the total rebellion of their country against God. Oh, he was putting it off, and, and Josiah wasn't going to have to watch it, but it was still going to happen because the, the, the revival that t- took place under Josiah was very short-lived and probably wasn't even sincere by a lot of the people that were just following the king's example and, and orders. But it was sincere with Josiah. And that's what I want us to look at this morning. That's what I want us to think about as far as ourselves are concerned this morning. How do we respond to the word of God? Thankful that we have it. That should always be one of the responses. Thankful that we, didn't, we don't have to discover it someplace. But isn't it true? Isn't it your testimony that when you open the pages of God's word, that you discover things that you've never seen before, as if you've never seen them before, even though you know you have? Some of you have read through the Bible five, six, seven, ten, fifteen times, and still when you read the Bible, you, you think, when, when did he put that in there? I haven't seen that before. He does that all the time. And when you see that new thing, like Josiah did, what do you do? And I'm not, I'm not suggesting tear your clothes, but that's a great picture in our minds, isn't it? When we see something in the word of God that goes against what we're reading in the word of God, when we see something that goes against what, what we're doing, can we have that same response? Can we think about our lives and all the blessings that God wants to pour out into us and remember, when I say blessings that he pours on us, I'm not talking about the blessings that he, was, that he gave to, to do those in Deuteronomy, to the children of Israel. I'm talking about the blessings that he explains to us in the New Testament. When we follow Christ, when we know Christ, when we obey Christ, he makes these promises, not that everything's going to go great, but that we can honor him and that we can serve him and that we can be fruitful for him in all the different ways of our lives. And that 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 fruit is going to last forever. And that that's when we're really going to enjoy the fruit of our labor is in eternity. Oh, we get moments of, of temporary blessing. We get moments when we, when we get to see some of the fruit. And hopefully you've had a moment like that sometime you know, recently where you've got to see something that you've done that, that was really blessed by God. We don't, we don't often get to see it, but hopefully you've, you've had that picture. I got, a, I got a glimpse of that Friday night. I had the opportunity to meet um, my son Sam's, um, one of his bosses. And um, she told me, and the, and the table that she was sitting with, um, she said, I have a worker, of, a fellow worker of Sam, who told me one day, if I ever, ha- if I ever get married and have kids, I want, my, I want a son like Sam. That's good words to hear for a dad. That's good words. That, that was a blessing. That was, that was a, an experience. Oh, there was, there's, a, there's a little bit of, of, of eternal fruit. Something, you know, there, there were many times in the raising of Sam that Sherry and I would look at each other. <laughs> what are we doing? What have we done? Seriously. And then later on, get to hear that. 
That's nice. But I want to tell you what's going to be really nice is when we stand before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ and he gives us rewards for what we've done in serving him while, while in this life. That's, that's going to be a sweet moment, a great moment. Now, that's also going to be the moment, as described in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we're not going to turn to that passage right now, it's also going to be a moment where some of us who are wasting this life, even though believers in Christ, but only living for the, for the temporary things, the temporary experiences and temporary rewards, and not investing ourselves and our resources into eternity, that's going to be also a day of fire. Symbolic fire. He says, the people who's, who's, whose lives are basically worthless for eternity, they're still going to be saved, but as through fire. It's like the stuff that you've done is all going to be burned up, but you're still, going to, you're still going to heaven. And it's still going to be great. I'm not putting down that, that, that experience. It's still going to be great. You'll be in the presence of the Lord. But the rewards that God had planned for you, had offered to you, even though we don't know exactly what they are, but knowing him in his word, it's going to be really good. Those those folks aren't going to have that opportunity because they weren't responsive to the word of God. They have it. and, and, And that's something all of us can say. We have the word of God. We can read it on actual paper. We can read it on our computers. We don't even have to own it. We can read it on a free website that has five different or 10 different or 15 different translations. We have the word of God. We can read it on our phone. We can have it read to us by our watch. Literally. I mean, I'm sure my watch doesn't do that, but there are watches I think that will read the Bible to you. We have the Bible. We have the word of God. But how do we read it? How do we interact with it? How do we respond to it? Look with me to Hebrews chapter 4. This is probably your final turning today. I say probably because I can't promise anything. Hebrews chapter 4. This is a great statement, like the one that Mark read from 2 Timothy this morning. Great statement concerning the Bible. The Helig Schrift. I think that's kind of right. Any of you German speakers help me out on that? Verse 12. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and active. That's awesome. This is a unique book, folks. Better than any other. It's living and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Everything. And you know how he gets us ready for that accounting? He gives us this. The living, active word of God. 
He uncovers everything of us. Every attitude, every thought, every action. He lays it all bare when we look in the, at this word. That's what happened to Josiah. All of a sudden, it was, he was just exposed. I'm the leader of this country, and we've done this, and that's what... That's our, that needs to be our response when we open up the pages of this book. That needs to be our goal. That needs to be our desire to read it for action. When I read this, what does it teach me about who God is? In spite of what I may think and, and who I think God is, what does this tell me about who God is? And then believe that. Don't, don't trust in what you've been told about God by other people, even by me. See what the word of God says about God. And believe it. His word is true. That's what the passage that Mark read from 2 Timothy. It's true. It's God's breath. He breathed it. It comes directly from him through these prophets and apostles, but believe it. What does it say about him? What does his word say about me? Regardless of what I've been taught about me by many others, some of what I've been taught is right, goes according to God's word. Some of what I've been taught about me is wrong. What does God say about me? And he says a lot about me in here. He says a lot about you in here. Look for it as you're reading it. Whatever he says, as we've been, as we've been looking at First and Second Thessalonians of late, whatever he says to the Thessalonians, I need to ask myself, is he saying that to me? Some of the praises that Paul gives to the Thessalonians, is that, is that true about me? Some of the challenges, some of the, some of the admonitions that he gives to the Thessalonians, is that something I need to be doing? Is that something I need to be thinking? And if so, how am I going to do that? Tear my clothes? If necessary. But recognize that I've got to make a change. Recognize that I've got to start talking different or treating people different or whatever it is that I've got to do. I've got to stop wasting my time. I've got to stop being critical. I've, you know, what, what, what is it that I need to stop doing? What, is it, what does the Word of God say that I'm not doing? And I've got to do that, Lord. This is step one. Lord, help me. Help me. Parents, do you love to hear that when you think it's genuine from one of your kids? Dad, Mom, help me. I need help. Sometimes it's hard for a child to come to a parent and say, help me. Because they've disregarded maybe something that you've said a time or two or three. And it's really humbling to have to come. But when they humble themselves and come and say, could you help me out? What do you think? What do you feel? What's your attitude? You better believe I will. As much as I can, as often as I can, for as long as I can, I'm going to do that. I have that kind, of, that kind of commitment to my kids. You have that kind of commitment to your kids. He has that kind of commitment to us. He's committed to growing us into the image of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. According to Romans 8, 
28 and 29. He's committed to that for us. And that's not the only place. Discover those things. Discover those statements. Listen to what he's saying in his word. Look at it introspectively. Look at it and say, hey, my wife needs to read this. (laughs) Or my friend needs to read this. My boss needs to read this. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to send a text out right now. Well, maybe that will, maybe you'll be able to do that. But first, what about sending a text right here? What do I need to do? What do I need to think? Who do I need to be? The word of God tells us. And we have it. And sometimes it requires, as it did in Josiah's life in, in kingdom, it requires a huge makeover. That's okay. God can handle that. He can handle it. He can do that. He is an expert at it. Especially, and again, remember, this is also part of our commitment to each other. Because the word of God tells us how we're supposed to relate to each other as well. We are supposed to be here to help each other do these makeovers. Because we're all in the middle of it. To some degree or another. We all need some changes. We all need to make some improvements. We can't do it on our own. We ask God to help us. We ask the body of Christ to pray for us, and we ask certain members within the body of Christ to ask me how it's going. Keep your eye on me. We all have that. We all need that. If we don't have that, we need it. I'm not going to, you find it yourself. It's in there. I've given you plenty of references this morning. It's all worthy of reading. You're not going to come across Josiah if you don't read your Old Testament. And there's lots of stuff like Josiah in your Old Testament. Don't stay away from it because it seems like it doesn't apply. It does. It does. It's worth grappling with the, the things that, that are hard to pronounce, as I was grappling this morning. That's difficult. Just keep on going. Don't let that stop you. But we need to read the word of God introspectively and responsively. We need to respond to it. Not just saying, oh, oh, that's good. I need to do that someday. You know, starting Monday. Next Monday. After Thanksgiving. We got all kinds of timing. Read it to listen to what he's saying and then do it. It's, it's really, what Josiah did was very simple. Now, it was very costly. You know, he, he, was, he was swimming upstream here, folks, paddling upstream. He, it was tough. Remember, the whole kingdom had been lulled to, sw- lulled to sleep by poor leadership and by evil. And so what he, was, what he was doing personally and then what he was bringing onto the, you know, onto the law books, into the legislation, that was going to be tough. These folks were used to going up to the high places and, and offering their idols. And they were used to going and, and offering their kids. Really? They were used to that. It was tough to say, no, we're not doing that anymore. 
And it's tough for us to say, no, I'm not doing that anymore. Because it's going to impact us. It's going to impact our, our comfort level. It's going to impact our relationships. Because most of the things that we need to make changes in are going to affect somebody else as well. And we're going to, we're going to have to testify concerning why we're doing what we're doing. And that's a loud, that is a loud testimony. We say, um, and I'm not going to tell you where, the word of God says I'm supposed to use my mouth only for good things, for good words, not for profanity, only for what's edifying to others. That's why I'm talking different. Well, that doesn't fit well. That's, that's like exposure. Oh, now you're expecting me to talk well too? That's what, that always happens. Whenever he does something in us, it's going to impact somebody else and it's going to be uncomfortable. Whatever it might be. So brace for it. And remember, you can't do this alone. Ask God, help me. He's given us his Holy Spirit. Remember, that's something that took place the moment we received Christ. His Holy Spirit came to live in us so that he gives us the strength that we need to do whatever it is we have to do. And he's also blessed us on top of that. He's blessed us with the body of Christ. In most of our cases, many of our cases, the body of Christ includes people that we're sitting next to right now, husbands, wives, and children. That's a great blessing. It's also tough. But it also goes beyond our families. It goes to everybody within the body to help each other, to pray for each other. Again, why we have, one of the great reasons that we have our adult and children's Bible studies and youth Bible studies, smaller groups of people getting together to study God's word together and pray together and encourage each other and get to know each other so that we have each other to help us through some of the tough makeover moments. There are, there are moments, times when it is really, really tough to go through this stuff. We need help. We help each other. Praise God that October 31st, 1517 took place. And, and, by, and by mentioning this, this moment in Martin Luther's life, I'm not saying that everything that Martin Luther did was good, okay? Because I can be canceled right now, all right? He said some really horrendous things about certain people that I would in no way commend. He wasn't perfect, but he really did a great job for us in lots of different ways. And I thank God for him this morning. I thank God for exposing church leadership to their lack of respect for the Bible and promoting to his church. And from him, and he, he had no intent of this going so far, but, it, but through his church and his actions to the church around the world, the importance of the word of God. Let's bow together in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, this is a crazy day, Halloween. All kind of mixture of, of fun and fellowship, and, and then some people take it and, and, and go evil with it, and, and it's just a, it's a crazy thing. But we thank you that Martin Luther did something great on this day. 
We thank you for the impact that his actions have had on us, even though we might have not even known his name before. We thank you for what you did through him, for giving him the courage to stand up and do the right thing, even though it was very, very hard, very dangerous and very costly to him. Thank you for the end result. We're enjoying it today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what you've shown us in your word. As Mark read this morning, how your word makes us wise to salvation, how we can be saved, how we can be forgiven of our sins. We thank you for that. There are some here this morning, some watching this morning, who still haven't been forgiven of their sins because they haven't humbled themselves before you and, and said, Jesus, I need you. I believe in you. And give up the other things that they're trying to do to please you, to earn your favor. Just help them to believe today, Lord. As it comes from your trustworthy word. And Father, some of us are a lot like that old broken down temple. Somehow in our lives, in our busyness, maybe in our sin, we've buried it under rubble in our lives, which are your temple as believers. And this morning has been a finding it again. And I pray that you would encourage each one of us to make time every day to look at it. And if we didn't do it today, that we will do it tomorrow that we'll look at it, not just for information, but for life. Help us not to get discouraged when we get to a section that we don't understand. Help us to use the resources that we have to dig in and find out what you want us to do, what you want us to believe, how you want us to live. We thank you that the results we we can't even fathom the fruit that you're going to bear through our lives that's going to last forever and that you're going to reward us richly for. We thank you for those promises. We don't know what rewards you have in store for us, but as the great giver of rewards, we know they will be wonderful. And we know when we see you, we will want to do nothing other than serve you with those rewards even as we have the opportunity to do now with the gifts and the talents and the resources that you've given us. Help us to do it well. Help us to do it according to your word. That's living and active in us. In Jesus' name, amen.